I had a lot of reluctance about it. I started writing, I thought I'll see how I go. But the biggest thing that concerned me was, what's everyone going to think about this? There's one element of people that have known me for a long time are like, wait, what? What, what do you mean you've written books? And then another side, people go, oh, this is amazing. We've been waiting for you to produce stuff in this sort of space. We think you're, um, you know, you have a lot to say. And as a corporate chick, you know, for 25 years, I've run uh, lots of companies. And so, you know, having that kind of armour and almost like shedding the corporate suit a bit, you know, this is a moment of me becoming who I truly am. Welcome to episode 192 of Be The Drop, a weekly interview podcast sharing stories from inspirational people to help you learn how to tell your story. I'm Amelia Ville, Director at Narrative Marketing and firm believer in the superpower of storytelling. In traditional Japanese philosophy, wabi-sabi is a worldview that sees beauty in imperfection. A concept that as we muddle through remote working and homeschooling during COVID-19 restrictions, I have seen an increased number of people embrace. Business meetings from home via Zoom have increased our empathy for life's imperfections as we navigate interruptions from dogs, children and technology issues. And my guest this week has been guided by this philosophy for a number of years. Michelle Cox describes herself as a reluctant author, even though she has just written and launched three books in her new Wabi Sabi series. Michelle is passionate about embracing the unconventional and challenging the status quo. Her personal journey has been full of challenges, from cancer to considerable loss. But these imperfections in life are what make her human and motivated her to release her book series. In this episode of Be The Drop, recorded live from PauseFest, Michelle talks about the concept of wabi-sabi, embracing imperfection and how the book series came to fruition. She also shares her thoughts on the power of simplicity in communication. This is Michelle's version of Be The Drop. Are you considering starting a podcast? At Narrative Marketing, we deliver a full range of podcast production options. Or if you'd like help getting started to produce your own content, we also deliver podcast training programs. Hit the link in the show notes for more details. Michelle, thank you so much for joining me for our next episode of Be The Drop. Thank you, Amelia. It's awesome to be here. Well, we're recording live from PauseFest, but we've found ourselves a nice little secluded spot. So hopefully we've we've captured a quiet place for recording today. Yeah, not too many interruptions. Now, to get us started, you've brought along your items yes, of significance because yes, yeah. you've got three, haven't you? I have. Uh, I'm looking forward to hearing the story and setting the scene about Michelle. Thank you. Yeah, I, um, it was a wonderful question that you posed and it, it was pretty obvious because of what I'm sort of going through at the moment. But my items, uh, there's three of them of significance, happen to be three books that I've just written and launched, uh, which as a, a non-first-time author, um, and probably what I would say is more um, a reluctant author, never ever wanted to write a book, uh, let alone three of them. And uh, yeah, the way it came about was quite interesting. But the books are around uh, topics that we don't often talk about. And uh, I felt compelled, I think, after years and years of you know, storytelling, really, whether it was just with friends and people about 
different stories and things that had happened to me um, and people are like, that's really interesting and that's really different and not everyone has a life like you. And I'm like, oh, okay, maybe there's something in that. And so it's been um, pretty confronting to put all that into, you know, written form and uh, to have the whole process from woe to go from me to start start writing, which was not long after I met you last year, to uh, producing it, editing it, going through the process, learning about the publishing industry and then uh, having them published was five months, which I think apparently is quite unique. Yeah, I know. You're like, oh, from reluctant to here, I've got three books. Yeah. <laughs> I know it's a bit weird, but I am. And this is, it's really, it's lovely and, and why I um, really enjoy what you do so much and how passionate you are about storytelling. It's probably how I got over the block around, I can't write. I've never, I've written, I, you know, ran a marketing comms company for years and actually hated writing. So uh, people would say, can you do an article for LinkedIn? And I'd be like, no, no, (laughs) I'll talk to you about it and you can capture it and, you know, write it up. But just not, it's not been a natural thing for me. I hated English at school. I don't journal. So it was a um, interesting process. And I think the way I got around it was I'm a storyteller. I'm a marketer. I'm actually really comfortable with that side and I just need to capture it in books. And someone right in the early in the piece said, well, just talk to it, record it and maybe do it that way. And so I thought, okay, that kind of got me in the place. But once I started writing, I found that it actually, you know, whilst it was a quick process, this is my whole life of experiences that I could capture. I just had to make the time to sit down and do it. Mm. And so there are topics that are really quite close to your heart. So it is a vulnerable expression that you've put out there. You know, you've really opened yourself up mm. in these books. What what was that side of the process like to really go, oh, well, I'll just put my personal stories on these pages and share them with everyone else? Yeah, it's, it's a great question. Um, as a corporate chick, you know, for 25 years, I've run uh, lots of companies. I've been CEO, um, director, like executive for you know, a long, long time of different companies globally as well as in Australia. And so, you know, having that kind of armour and almost like shedding the corporate suit a bit, um, they're, they're, it's, yeah, it's hard to sort of give a quick answer to that because it's been a bit of a, a long process, but it's almost like these are my becoming. You know, this is a moment of me becoming who I truly am. And when you're running a company and you're the face of a business and you, you know, you you kind of play the party line a bit. I mean, I've always been authentic, you know, crazy curly hair and very comfortable in my own skin and really encourage staff to be truly who they are. Um, There's always been an element of not really being able to um, express what I feel about topics like this that are really personal and, um, you know, to, to many people quite confronting. So, um, yeah, that process was tough and it, it was um, I had a lot of reluctance about it. I started writing. I thought I'll see how I go. But the biggest thing that concerned me was, what's everyone going to think about this? You know, they know me as this corporate, you know, exec, and now I'm writing about, you know, death and, you know, about doctors and medical dramas and, you know, not having kids and all that sort of stuff. So, you know, how's everyone going to perceive that? So that's been a bit of a, um, you know, process as well, I guess, which I'm still working through. I really like this concept about, talking about and having difficult conversations and you touched on the fact that we met you know nearly a year ago and that was at the space 
event, which I've talked about on the podcast before because, you know, it, it really had a profound impact on me. But your session was around it's okay to not have kids. And there was a, you know, that really resonated with a lot of people. That is a conversation that but people were like, yeah, I want to be able to have that conversation. And I think it's really important because we have created a bit of a culture where people get shot down for comments or, mm. or, or saying things in a way that's not the party line, not as you norm. said, you know, yeah. not, not towing the line mm. or, you know, not with a cultural norm or mm. things like this. You know, so I think people are really ready for those conversations. Has that been the experience for you? Yeah, I uh, I've been overwhelmed to the response, and um, I think there's one element of people that have known me for a long time are like, wait, what? What, what do you mean you've written books? And then another side, people go, oh, this is amazing. We've been waiting for you to, you know, produce stuff in this sort of space. We think you're, um, you know, you have a lot to say and you're very passionate about these things. And it all comes down to fundamentally around people living unconventional lives. I've always lived a, quite an unconventional life. And even in my career where I do things a little bit differently and I was always happy to either step sideways or down a bit in a, you know, a new kind of position to learn more and to be able to propel myself into a new role or, a, um, you know, a new opportunity or a new industry. I've changed industries several times. So I'm really comfortable with that. Um, I like to shake things up and, you know, mix up my career and stuff as well. So that that's sort of the premise, I guess, of that unconventional life. And the whole story around not having kids um, came from a personal uh, challenge I had cancer, had cervical cancer. And um, I was married to a guy uh, before that. And um, we were together for a long time. And then he, when I was ready to have kids, he said he actually doesn't want to have children. So that was kind of the first part of it. And so, you know, I capture that throughout the book to sort of say, you know, it's an interesting, my story is interesting throughout that. I always wanted children always just assumed I would have them. And unfortunately for me, it wasn't the case. It wasn't meant to be. And I've reconciled with that um, and had to work through that over the years. But then I found myself in my 30s, um, you know, of having people have an opinion about the fact that I didn't have kids. And, you know, they put their view on the world of how they view everyone should have children and you're not human if you don't. And they would, you know, throw that on to me and say, well, you know, what's wrong with you? Why don't you have kids? And I'm like, whoa, you don't even know my story. Like there's stuff and there's reasons why. But actually I had a lot of friends that didn't have children or were trying to have kids or couldn't have kids and all different other stories or actually hadn't worked out whether that's what they wanted yet. And they were too embarrassed to talk about it. So the way I think about it is we are, we know it's not cool to talk about someone's religion or your, um, uh, you know, political views or your weight or your sexuality, but everyone thinks it's okay, or not everyone, but many people think it's okay to have an opinion about whether you have a child or not. And I just want that topic of conversation to be removed. It's no one's business. And it's okay to ask, do you have kids? But it were the questions, it was the questions after that that kept coming that I was like, actually, you know, this is not cool. This is not okay to ask that. And the flip side to that is the number of people that have then spoken to me around putting their expectations of the fact they've got kids and they think it's amazing and they oh, you would make them an amazing mom or dad. You know, why don't you have kids? Why don't you, again, impressing their opinions and their view of the world on others? And that's just, like, that's not cool. Like, it needs to stop. So that's kind of where it comes from. I talk about 
the um, my it's part memoir. The book, so you know, I obviously talk about my stories and my opinion. It all comes from my um, my background and stuff, but also then I bring in facts and you know points of fact about what's going on in our environment, our communities, um, you know, some really interesting sort of data and stuff as well to sort of back up or give some value around things are changing. You know, the Australian Bureau of Statistics are predicting that by 2028, 50% of Australian households will be child-free. So, I mean, that's really changing our environment. What does that mean for communities? What does that mean for schools and workforces and stuff? So they're topics I think we need to talk about more of. Mm. So it's, it's, it's really, you know, trying to maybe frame new ways of having these conversations, you know, and, and I think it's interesting and you mentioned things like religion and weight and sexuality. It, wouldn't it be nice if we could have these conversations without judgment? Yes. So that we can still interact and, as you say, ask you, oh, do you have children? But if the answer is no, you know, then where, where do we go with that in a respectful way mm. so that you know, it's not a judgment, but it's a, a, not an awkward end to the conversation. Like, yeah. Oh, I won't say anything else then. But yeah. You know, what, what do you go? Where do you go next? Well, I actually uh, I pose it a different way, and I think uh, at the forum of space, obviously at that space series conference we both met at. The beautiful thing about that was that we were there as humans and first and foremost it was about what are you passionate about, what is it that, you know, you're working on at the moment that's really exciting you or, what, you know, how do you want to challenge things in our country to make our country better? So, I mean, they're big topics but they're really interesting and so, you know, we had to shed our, our careers and our titles and our jobs and whatever and who we worked for, that was not a, we weren't allowed to ask any of that sort of stuff. So I kind of posed the question at the end of the first book as well and I say so if you are in a case like that so don't even talk about kids because you know when I'm in a forum and there's seven people around and all they're talking about is their kids and this and that it's like it's not fun it's like you know I love children so I'm okay with it but not everyone is like me there's so much more to talk about in life and actually the this you know the book is called it's okay not to have kids but the subheading is we are more than our parental status and so it goes more and this is where the book's not just for people that don't want kids or whatever many people that have had children have read it and given me some amazing um you know feedback and so it's really on us um and the journey that some of my friends have had as you know corporate especially career women and knew themselves in their careers and that defined themselves by that and then they um, became a mum and kind of lost all their sense of identity. So I'm like, we're more than that. Let's talk about other stuff. So I'm like, don't even like, don't even ask about the how's the weather and what do you do for a job and do you have kids? Like they're boring conversations. You know, talk about what are you passionate about? What's something that you would love to change in the world if you could? What you know, what things? What's a project you're working on at the moment? Um, how do you bring play to your life? And my big question around the whole series and what I've created is, how do you embrace imperfection more? Because that's been a big thing for me, you know, as an A-type person that's always, um, you know, OCD, loves to be perfect, loves for everything to sort of sit right. I've really made a forceful effort to try and embrace imperfection more. And, um, yeah, that was sort of where the series name came from, called the Wabi Sabi series. 
So, so what does that mean to you then to embrace imperfection and also the Wabi Sabi series? <laughs> yeah, great. Yeah, Wabi Sabi is a, a, a Japanese philosophy and, um, you know, hundreds or thousands of years old, I guess, and it really is around the whole premise of embracing imperfection. And it stemmed from the an emperor of the day that created these um, teacups and uh, they're made of ceramic and they would put a deliberate flaw in the glaze. And so, you know, in the days of tea ceremony where you'd sit there and actually you know, they'd go for hours and you sit there and contemplate in your teacup the actual beauty within imperfection. So I heard about it years ago and thought, that's my life. Like, I've had so much shit happen to me and like crap stuff, but actually I don't let it define me. And I try not to, you know, what can I learn from it? And how do I embrace the messy, shitty, you know, scars and all approach? And we're all like that. We've all got flaws. We've all got stuff that goes on well, most of us we're trying to hide it but actually I'm all about how do you bring it out how do you go actually yeah I'm pretty shit at this but this is why you know I'm trying to make it better or I'm trying to embrace that or I'm trying to do something different so that's that's the premise um, in terms of how I embrace it I'm doing lots of different things um, challenging myself to play more rather than be you know so serious so for me um, embracing curiosity more or having a curious approach to things is really helping me to reframe stuff so a great example is that inner self-critic so instead of kind of you know the critic comes in and goes oh you're not good at that why are you doing this why do you think you you know could whatever lots of reasons you know that nasty little voice yes (laughs) uh instead of you know buying into that and like listening to it I go why is that going on what's happening there what's that you know inner voice trying to tell me where does it come from so I'm you know it's one example but I use it for um lots of different reasons some curiosity in life so I took a whole entire year where I left my day job and um decided that I didn't want to work full-time in a company anymore and so that was last year and um I took a year of said it was my creative break and so I basically said yes to everything so it was either a meeting with someone or you know someone asked me for their advice on something or going to a conference I'd never been to or to um go and learn how to make something or I started learning the piano, like all different random stuff. And it was amazing, but just embracing a different way and challenging me on so many levels. And it's been fabulous and helping me, you know, in business and especially in the startup world, we talk a lot around, um, you know, fail, fail fast, it's okay to fail, blah, blah, blah. Well, it's pretty shit if you, it's not fun if you fail, <laughs> let's be honest. It's okay, but not fun. No. And, you know, especially, I mean, in interesting cases where you're losing, you know, thousands of dollars and people's, you know, other people's money in that startup scene is, is fascinating. But for me, uh, we don't always um, talk about that in, in life or in our careers or, you know, we don't embrace that imperfection part enough is my view. So that's the other part is how do I help people to embrace that more and be more honest about it? Well, it has to come from me getting that too. It's interesting, isn't it, how tough we can be on ourselves when we're thinking about, you know, trying to achieve goals. But, you know, you launch these books, it's such a quick time frame. How did you go then communicating this, telling people, getting the message out there? Yeah, I've done a heap of different things. Um, One was create a company around it. So I feel, and I think that's the, if I look at the vision or why I've done it and what I want to get out of it, it's around making a positive impact on people's lives. I 
fundamentally don't want people to go through some of the stuff I've been through. So if that's able to help them on like some of my health journeys and the um, death and um, grieving process. So actually just if I give context, the other two books, so the second book is called uh, Death Death doesn't have to be morbid, and that's around life, death, and learning to grieve. And the third book is called Doctors Are Not Gods, and that's around taking uh, control and responsibility for our own health. And again, very um, pertinent topics that I'm very passionate about, but they are quite confronting topics for people. But so, you know, through that process of writing that and the reason for writing it is um, I've been to 28 funerals in my life as a, you know, 40-something-year-old woman, um, is a lot of funerals and two of them I uh, arranged, which was my mother's and my father's. I'm an adult orphan, um, which people go, oh, that's a bit weird, isn't that normal? But I have no grandparents, you know, no parents. Um, normally at my age, that's you're a bit, it's a bit young for that to occur. And I talk about the premise around what that means and how you have a sense of loss of identity and place. You don't have the place to go back to or your parents, all that sort of stuff as well. So that is... Um, an interesting concept for some people to deal with and work through and I also really go into how you help people that are grieving and it's stuff that we don't often talk about none of my friends knew how to deal with me because I was 27 when I lost my mum and still to this day most of my best friends have not lost any anyone like their parents and grandparents so it's quite unusual for them so I give some real practical advice as well as a perception of someone that went through it you know in a bit of a lonely sort of time and how I felt about it the third book around doctors are not gods is um, my medical journey of being let down by the um, medical fraternity and how as a strong corporate woman who's sat around board tables and advocated for others most of my life and other businesses um, I can fight a good fight around a you know a board table or in in, um, charge of a company but put me in front of a doctor and I turned to mush and I, I never could understand what that was and why I would be like that. So I started to really delve into that more. And, you know, that's an interesting topic as in itself. So I try and sort of talk about like how do we actually get, um, you know, our strength in those environments? Why do we allow doctors to make us feel that way? And, you know, it's also on the other side, I'm sure with Dr. Google these days, doctors are frustrated, you know, when we go into the medical surgery and diagnose ourselves. So it's around, again, giving some real tactical stuff for people to, um, you know, use that. But the whole overarching premise of the Wabi Sabi series is around um, trying to provide a platform and a forum for people to have these difficult conversations. So I'm speaking on these topics. I'm starting a podcast with it because I want to have the debate around it and the books are just the start. I've got four other um, topics that I've sort of started to write on. The fourth book that I'm looking at, which I'm not sure if I should announce this until I you know, get there because it might change, but the thinking at this stage, the fourth book is around uh, losing your job and not losing your sense of self and that's around either being sacked or being made redundant and how people really... Um, attach themselves to their titles and careers and that we need to change that up a bit. So, yeah, I'd love Wabi Sabi and, and that whole embracing imperfection to be a movement. 
That's mm. how I feel about it. Yeah. Well, I, I look forward to seeing the growth of the movement. Well, Michelle, thank you so much for joining us. But in conclusion, can you share with me Michelle's Be The Drop tip? And so that is your top tip for communication that motivates and inspires. Simplicity is best. I think we sometimes overcomplicate communication and I think if sometimes you just need to dumb down the message and just talk to, you know, talk to someone as, you know, human to human, I think that really helps. I always try and be honest um, and be authentic and if it comes from the heart and, you know, you're communicating whether it's a good news story, a bad news story or feedback you know it's if it comes from the heart in the right place then I think then it's all also embraced and heard um, in a more effective way oh fabulous fantastic advice thank you so much Michelle oh it's been lovely to chat to you today and uh, yeah wonderful to be here thanks for joining me for another episode of be the drop don't forget to subscribe in order to ensure you never miss out on one of our weekly episodes. Be The Drop is produced by Narrative Marketing, where we believe that stories connect individuals and that powerful storytelling can positively impact the world. To unleash your storytelling superpower, visit narrativemarketing.com.au or check out our social links in the show notes. To contact me directly with any specific comments you have, you can email me via amelia at narrativemarketing.com.au. And don't forget that whilst a task or challenge may seem overwhelming, a waterfall begins with one drop and look what comes from that.